because I don't want to watch the Kansas City Royals play. Like that year, the All-Star game was in Kansas City and all their fans voted for all the Royals. I didn't want to watch that. That was dumb. I was like, oh, cool. The most boring team in baseball is the All-Star game because their fans voted. Dude, I met a Royals fan one time. It was incredible. And yeah. she was a real Royals fan. She knew other players than George Brett. It was amazing. Yeah, and she was from Kansas City and she was like visiting by a mistake. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Lena McRae. We are listening to the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County Sports Podcast. And Joe Deck and I are here again to update you, the Augusta County sports fan, on what you need to know in the sports world. Joe, let's do it, man. Okay, well, we're just going to dive into the A block here. Leland, what we're going to lead off with is a story that is widespread, not only in this area, but throughout the state of Virginia. It's three football programs being canceled in the past couple weeks. Manassas Park, Charles City, and Parkview up there in Loudoun County and Sterling closing the door on their football seasons due to a lack of interest from the student body. And I mean, how sad is that? These kids have probably prepared all off season, you know, and maybe a limited number, but still a number of kids have been working all off season to be prepared for their, you know, senior, junior, sophomore seasons of football. And like here, right on the doorstep of the season, no, no, not playing football, you know, go play another sport. Yeah. I mean, it is sad. Uh, I know we're going to talk about this more in depth here in a minute, but the re- reasons we think may be behind this, but I, it, I do feel for the seniors. The other ones, I, I mean, I feel bad that they've invested time and now this thing isn't going to happen. I guess I don't feel devastated for them, but the seniors I would feel the worst for, especially since for these programs, it's the first year that this has happened. So those seniors had no idea that this was you know, a possibility. Uh, I imagine going into this year, they didn't think that this could happen. I think I did see with one of the schools at least, and, and maybe this is true for all of them, but the VHSL did waive a rule so those players could transfer to a neighboring school and play football for them immediately and not have to sit out. Uh, I believe that was the Parkview one that I read that for. Um, but I know at Charles City there's you know New Kent and other schools right around there that are closing. And, of course, Manassas Park, there's a lot of other schools close. But, you know, Manassas Park, it, that was the team I played in my last high school game at Riverheads High School was against Manassas Park. They beat us in the playoffs and went on uh, to play uh, beyond that. And it's just amazing to think a team that, you know, was good enough to, to beat a team I was on, you know, as selfish as that sounds or as, you know, propping myself up high or, or my, me and my team, uh, you know, so for them to not have a program this year is amazing to me. Now they did say at Manassas park, they did think they'd be able to get the team back together for 19. They're going to run a JV season with who they have, but then hopefully have a varsity team next year, but still just even being on the line or, and not playing a varsity schedule crazy to me. Yeah. I'm glad that the VHSL is allowing these players to play at other schools, which I guess, you know, well, it's, it's scary to think about, but maybe that's the future for a lot of these smaller areas in rural Virginia where they just, it's one or two counties coming together to form a team. Uh, hey, that might be the future of high school football in some of those smaller communities. And, and you've seen that in Southwest Virginia, you know, you had the old Powell Valley and then those other schools that were dominant down there on their own. And they started consolidating schools because of financial reasons, not because they didn't have enough for a football team, 
heck down there they had you know 100 percent participation in football probably but you know they started combining these schools and made these you know bigger schools with two great teams coming together you got union high school uh you have like central wise down there those were schools that came together from good football teams now you might have it where it's just football teams you know the kids might go to school next door and then go you know down the road and play football that it's going to make some powerhouse teams probably in the in the long run i guess uh, i'm ready to shift the topic toward yeah. what we think the reasoning behind this is. Uh, I I do think concussions are playing a role in this, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying I think this is something that in the 21st century we know more about concussions and the mental health issues that you know repeated blows to the brain can cause. And I know that there are some people in the NFL that would like to argue this, but I'm sorry, football does have a correlation with CTE. Uh, yeah, yes, you could get CTE by everyday life and you could have mental, you know, brain disease and all that just regular without playing football, but I think you're kidding yourself if you don't think that football does increase the likelihood of that. Um and 100 100% I think concussions are a part of this issue. I don't think it's the only reason by any means I, and while it might be a majority, it's not an over 50% majority in my mind. Uh, well, you know, then you're talking about a plurality it. to be, I'm going to use my political science definitions here. Then you're talking about a plurality, not a majority, but, um, yeah, and that's fine. And, and it should be, it should be important because concussions are real. Like the fact that you used to play with helmets that weren't as good as today, doesn't make it okay. Now that concussions are happening just because you got a concussion one time and you know, you can kill, still count perfectly doesn't mean anything. Now concussions should be a big worry for anybody. And I, and I, my, a personal pet peeve of mine is moms not playing their kids in football. Dads care too. Dads don't want their kids getting uh, brain damage because of playing a sport. Um, and so we just need to take that phrase out of it. And like parents leading their kids in the right direction. That's the reason I think kids shouldn't be hitting before a certain age. I love the uh, expansion of flag football, especially in this area. That's you know, I think the Augusta County quarterback club is taking over the flag football league this year. And so it's going to be, you know, differently organized and maybe reach more people. So that's great. Um, but like, let's, let's give these kids a break. And so be athletic, learn the game without the impact on your heads is, is a great thing to do. I agree with you, Leland, and I, I agree. I do think it's moms and dads that are concerned about yeah. this issue. I'll be honest with you, Leland. I don't have any kids, but it's scary to me to watch players that I grew up watching as a little kid play in the NFL, and now they come back and they say, hey, you know, there are days I forget my kids' names. And I'm like, man, that's scary. Like, I can't imagine that yeah. being somebody that you've been around with, you know, their entire life, and you can't remember their name. Um, you know, it's, it's troubling and I'm sorry, that's science. Uh, and I agree with you on the point of, well, back in my day, well, okay, well, we know more now. And so now it's negligent to not do something about it. And on the, on the fact that it borders on criminal, if you have the knowledge and you don't act to make the game as safe as possible, then you are, in my opinion, criminally liable if something happens to a kid. And I'm sorry, the other factor here is people are bigger and stronger with the more knowledge that we have about strength conditioning and as much as that gets played into high school and college and NFL and any sport, people are bigger, faster, stronger now than they used to be. And so that means the concussions are worse. The brain injuries have the potential to be worse. And it's going to go back to another saying I, I have whenever people 
talk about, you know, well, back in my day, we did this and we were fine. I'm like, okay, well, how, when yeah, cars how first came out, you when, get told when you hear those stories, when someone starts saying back in my day, you start hearing the most illegal stuff ever happening. Like we were, we, we had the cooler going, going down the road or like, oh my goodness, I was sitting in the back window on vacation. Like, what are we talking about? Like, it's crazy. So this goes in that category hundred percent. Oh yeah. I mean, back when cars first came out, they don't have seatbelts. I don't see anybody running on let's repeal seatbelts because huh. it makes our society weaker. I mean, I, I don't think that is something that is going to gain a lot of traction, and I think you have to be able to equate those two. Now, you have another theory here, and I'm going to let you talk I, about that as well. And I, I just don't think it's only concussions. I think this is a building momentum of going against kids playing football that's been happening across years here and like longer than CTE has been a hot button issue and longer than, you know, when we've known about junior Seau and players like that, that, you know, the ultimate of sad stories. Um, but you know, across the board, there's kids not playing sports like they used to track and field is down since 2006 at a higher percentage than football is. There's no big worry about concussions in track and field as far as I've ever been told. You know, I, I know in soccer and baseball and even basketball, you, you worry about that. Track and field seems like there is no contact. I mean, 100%. And, you know, any kind of concussion would be a pure accidental thing. So explain that. You know, also, you know, talking about um, the other reasons, uh, it's just the way the, I think our generation, including the people we're starting to raise – how they prioritize their time and how they want to use their time for, um, you know, they have more outlets than they ever have. Yes, video games is a bigger idea than it used to be, but that's not what's ruining the world. Video games and cell phones aren't what's ruining the world, but there's that outlet that's right in these people's hands where they're able to really get into something they're interested in without ever leaving their couch or leaving their house. And it sounds not active, but that's not a terrible thing that they can really do something they love a lot more easier now. And there's a community can be built online without, you know, having to go out and find these people. You can talk with them, FaceTime them right directly on the internet. So I think communication through the technology has, is making people prioritize their time differently. Okay. Well, I, I, this is why I love doing this. And, you know, we see each other's <laughs> notes in this workbook. That's not where I thought you were going. Um, so that's fine. Uh, and I kind of agree there. And, and look, you bring up a great point about track and field. That was going to be my counter argument to your point originally is if we start seeing this across the board, then I kind of agree with what you're saying. Um, and I guess the only thing I could maybe say to counteract the track and field stuff is it's not a glamour sport, right? Um, for kids that are athletic and want a chance to go play at a college, track and field is probably not going to pay for your full school. Uh, it's not going to. That's a I, only be football glamorous. and basketball are doing that. No, only I football agree. And basketball are doing that. I agree. Soccer isn't. Baseball isn't. Those sports aren't able to. Uh, you know, offer full scholarships to 80 kids like football is, you know, the money is at football, the money is at basketball. It's not at these other sports. So I, I don't like that argument. I, I don't think, I don't think that's a valid argument just because you can't get a scholarship. I think, you know, the stats I'm looking at show kids at six, not playing football through high school. And I, you know, well, I can tell you why I, it's not happening at six. 
They shouldn't be playing football, contact football at six. Is my my biggest point there. They should wait until they're big enough to I to play play flag football. I this is going to get me into my other point. You should be playing other things and be very athletic, and then come into football. I knew plenty of people, you know, at Riverheads at at other schools that didn't play little league football and still did very well on the football team and were high performers and even went to college to play football. So you can't just tell me playing, you know, slamming your head up against another kid at seven years old benefited you so much that that got you some kind of scholarship. And that leads me to my other point is the prioritization that's happening where kids think they have to concentrate on football or concentrate on basketball or concentrate on baseball because they're going after that scholarship out there. And you read all these articles all the time from college coaches that don't want the kids to prioritize. They want a well-rounded athlete. They'll prioritize you when you get to college. They want you playing multiple sports. We agree on that one. We've discussed this on the radio before, so we know mm-hmm. – Kids need to go out there and play the different things. But that's what I think is going to hurt school, these small schools, is these this prioritization of the kids. And I think you've already seen it. I know at Broadway is a school that I've heard a lot about prioritization for the football team and, and what's put on there. And and I think it only hurts these other sports include, and, and football. I think it hurts the sport you're, prior, you're trying to make the kids prioritize as well as the others. And I think you want all your sports to do well and, and you want that success wherever they can get it. I agree with you there. So in the long run, my biggest point is I don't think concussions is the majority reason for this. Now, may, maybe for some reason there is a high percentage and it's it's the biggest reason, but I think it's the only topic that gets talked about. And I think you've got to talk about this. How people spend their time is, I think, a major one because I, I – I, I really think that's major. And I think you can see that with this rise of the E-League, I think is a very relevant thing with that, where you're seeing these, you're seeing people watch people play video games that didn't exist in the eighties. And that's probably why you had 50 kids on every football team. Leland, you're exactly right. That's a great point. Uh, the rise of the E-League. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, look, if you're into E-League stuff, good for you, man. Do what you like. And if that's what you're into, <laughs> man, I'm all for it. But I'm not going to say I've never watched someone play video games. I used to in college. Yeah, I watched yeah, my buddy yeah. play college football. I watched him playing college football and there was entertainment value to it. But I'll sit in the same room as the guy. I wasn't watching TBS on Friday night watching yeah. people play video games. TBS. Very funny. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, I do think concussions plays a I think that is the bigger factor. I, I do think it's a majority issue. I, I understand you think it's. At best, do you think it's a plurality issue and not 50 plus one? Um, and I get that. And, you know, I guess we'll never know um, because you and I don't have the ability or funding to to do a proper research and, <laughs> you know, do a survey and find out from these parents. Uh, but this is the one thing I will say. If it is concussions, uh, I am not going to sit here and tell a parent, you're making your kids soft by not allowing them to play football. I, I just oh. don't think that's accurate. I mean, I have the kids. I have a I have a new baby boy, and everybody talks about what position in football he's going to play because he's big. And uh, <laughs> and and if he wants to play football, we're going to address that. But I, I, it's it's hard for me. And and ten years ago, I never would have been like this. Ten years ago, I would have dreamt of my son being quarterback for the football team. And now 
there is hesitation in, in, in me. And I, I played football and I had friends that had concussions. I have family members that had concussions. I've seen what it can do. I've seen people that have done great things with football. And I mean, that's the sport I get the most excited about watching. So it's, it's really a, a conflict inside my head about this. And just the fact that I'm even hesitant about that topic really tells you something. And, and if I'm hesitant, there's a lot of other people that are hesitant and some people are leaning more against it and some people are leaning for it. And that's why we're starting to see all these things add up when the, you take the fraction of people that are worried about concussions, you got the fraction of people that are doing other things. You got the fraction of people that want to focus on their basketball scholarship that probably isn't going to come. You know, you take all that together. It's been trending this way for more than a decade. We're just finally getting to where it's actually affecting whether teams have seasons or not. Yeah. All right. Well, the rest of the show, we have more information for you, the Augusta County sports fan. We're going to have our fun at the end of the show where we try to clue you in on what you need to be knowing on TV and on the internet, whether sports or not. We have a great interview with Cody Elliott coming up, and we're also going to really dive into the high school football season that's about to begin. Next up on the Yak Sports Podcast, we have Cody Elliott from the Daily News Record out of Harrisonburg. Used to be with uh, the News Virginian out of Waynesboro. We loved reading him every week there every night after football games but now he's up there and we're going to see a lot more information out of him uh cody elliott from the dnr at cody underscore dnr sports make sure you're following him but right now we have cody elliott from the dnr all right now we're gonna take on cody elliott from the dnr as he is new up there to harrisonburg but still has a bunch of local ties and we're gonna talk to cody here as we mentioned at the top cody welcome to the yak sports podcast Happy to be here. Happy to talk to you guys. Tell us about, you know, moving from uh, the News Virginian in Waynesboro and going up to the DNR. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd been at Waynesboro um, for three or four years now. Um, I was previously with the Stanton News Leader before that. Um, built a lot of connections, had a lot of fun, um, you know, covered multiple state champions throughout the years. Um, but uh, Jim Sacco, the uh, sports editor up here at the Daily News Record, he um, has been a mentor of mine since back in early years of college through high school um always was a guy i relied on for advice and um he gave me a call they had an opening and um you know we we talked we went through the whole process and it just happened to be um be and feel like a good fit so i uh, made the switch and um i've had a blast it's been you know they they're very passionate about their football up here they're passionate about prep sports and um i've got to meet some new people new coaches and you know i'm really enjoying it a little plug for you just real quickly. I mean, it's been great, the coverage you've already provided so far. I mean, I think your first day on the job, you, you put out a, um, a story, and it, it seems like every day since. And I, I love reading them and uh, look forward to seeing them all season. Yeah, I mean, our, our goal is uh, it's a, a story a day is kind of our motto, but obviously we sometimes do more. And, um, you know, throughout football season, we'll have something um, pretty much every weekday, um, whether it's players to watch, players to, that had big performances, um, predictions, uh, webcast, you know, we'll have all kinds of different stuff. So, you know, I definitely encourage people to uh, check it out as much as they can. Okay, Cody. So let's move on to Waynesboro, a new coach, coach Moran taking over for coach McDaniel, who had led Waynesboro on some playoff runs here in the recent, uh, history for Waynesboro high school. What is coach Moran going to be trying to do as he comes in and tries to take over this program? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I've told a lot of people, uh, Coach, Coach Mack did not do uh, Coach Moran any favors um, at the time that he left. Um, you know, Coach Mack did a tremendous job of building that program back 
to being relevant again. Um, you know, they've been in the playoffs four straight years. Um, but Coach Moran comes into a tough situation. I mean, he uh, has a lot of talent to replace. Quarterback Dewan Moore now over at UVA. Um, they lost a lot of guys off their defense. Um, so they've got a lot of fresh faces and a fresh coach. But from what everything I'm hearing from out of there is it's not hasn't really changed much. Um, you know, he, he's been adding a couple little things, twisting, you know, making a couple changes. But for the most part, the program is still run the same way that Coach Mack ran it. Um, the guys are familiar with Coach Moran. He was there even before Coach Mack came over and took over the program. He's been there since Coach Isaac was there. Um, so those guys are very familiar with him. He knows what he's doing. He's, he's an offensive mind. He's, he, he, I mean, for years, ever since Coach Mack's first season with Waynesboro, he's always praised uh, Sean for his, for his offensive philosophies. And, you know, I think he, he'll, he'll probably provide a boost, but that team is very, very young. They've got um, Tyleek Kaywood, quarterback, who's kind of been sitting there learning behind DeJuan Moore. But he's a very different player. He's um, not as big, not as physical, um, but he's very fast. They still got Elijah Braxton out of the backfield. Um, but outside of that, there's a lot of new faces on that team. And, uh, it, you know, it's going to be a challenge for, for Sean in his first season to really get things going. Okay. Well, let's now talk about the one of the favorites in the Shandoah District, a team that you're going to be covering a lot this year over there in Harrisonburg. Ooh. East Rock is a team that, you know, got close last year. They just lost a game here and there. But this year, a lot of folks are expecting them to put it together more and maybe even win the Shenandoah District. Let's talk a little bit about the East Rock Eagles. Yeah, I mean, my, my first impression of East Rock this season, I, I went up to a preseason summer camp they were having, I mean, and they were doing some seven-on-seven seven stuff with each other. And, I mean, there were just athletes all over the field. They've got guys, a receiver, you know, running back. They've got an all-state receiver. They've got a future Division One running back. They've got quarterback Dylan Williams, who just seems just like a winner, um, you know, They've got guys all over the field that make plays on both sides, and and it's they don't have very many guys who are going to play both ways. They're going to basically put twenty two guys out there every Friday night. Um, you know this this is a team that their defense used to be their their weakness, and then last year they kind of took that step and uh, showed some people what they are capable of defensively. Now, if that can hold up against teams such as Riverheads and Buffalo Gap and some of those physical guys, we'll, we're yet to see. But I think that this team is probably the most talented team that they've had in quite quite some time. And the change in their defensive philosophy last year leads me to believe that they may be able to take the next step. Um, they're certainly embracing the, those expectations. They're a, they're a fun group. They're, you know, they've got a lot of bright personality, personalities on that group. Um, but I think they're embracing it. And, we'll, you know, I mean, we'll see what happens. Um, they have a big one Friday night against Spotswood. And then from there, you know, they, they play – Riverheads and Lee within the first four weeks of the season, along with the Ray. So, you know, the, the scheduling gods were not were not kind to them. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens very quickly and we'll find out what this team's made of. That's something I really noticed looking at their schedule here in the preseason is, you know, by week four, you're going to know what this team is and you're going to kind of know what the uh, the top end expectations are because they'll have already played Riverheads and Lee in back to back weeks. I, I guess it is Lee first and then Riverheads. So right then they're going to have an outlook for the rest of the season. You're going to know if they're expected to beat Gap or if they're questioning if they're going to beat Gap and 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 Wilson and uh, other big teams in the Shenandoah district. So real interesting team up there, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's funny. Donnie Coleman told me just a few weeks ago, he said, Eric, he, said he had a, a bone to pick with his athletic director, Eric Phillips, because of this schedule. But, I mean, yeah, it's like you said, you'll, we'll find out very quickly what they're made of. Um, you know, in past years, it seems like they've been right there, but they can never quite get over that hump into contention. Um, they've been a playoff team consistently, but they haven't quite – 
taking that next step, um, this might be the year that they can do it. So down here in Augusta County, we're really familiar with Fort Defiance and Waynesboro, but we're calling you because we want to know more about the rest of that Valley District. Tell us, you know, who's the favorite up there? Who are the strong teams coming out of the Valley District this year? Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I've, I've had a lot of people ask me that recently, and honestly think that the Valley might be the most wide open it's been in recent years. Um, you know, Harrisonburg and Spotswood have kind of always been up there, and I, again, expect them to be up there, but I, it's really hard for me to pick a certain team that stands out right now. Um, Harrisonburg would probably be my favorite if you asked me and you, you were forcing me to choose. Um, <laughs> but they have a lot of questions. I mean, they, you know, they have uh, AC White is not Old Dominion. He was, a, you know, one of the best players in the area at the quarterback position. Um, it's not yet known who's going to replace him yet. Um, the offensive line, who had five All Valley District selections last year, three of those guys are gone. So that, you know, they've got some holes there to fill. The defense has some skill guys that they need to replace. Um, regardless, Harrisonburg is a school. It has a lot of athletes. They've got guys that can make plays, fast guys, strong guys. Um, so I would certainly say they're probably the favorite. Um, right behind them, you've got teams like Spotswood who are replacing 16 seniors from last year's team. Um, they've got four or five guys in the backfield, including Brennan Brown, rushed for over 1,300 yards a year ago. They'll be a strong team. TA thinks that they can bounce back just 2-8 and eight last year. They've got five or six running backs that they believe in. They've got Trey Gillenwater at the quarterback position. Um, they've got a strong defense, um, so we'll see what, what, how they how much they've improved. And then you've kind of got those teams like Broadway, who is trying to get back to its roots, trying to get back to that physical, you know, strong offensive line play that they were known for for so many years when they were successful. They're trying to get back to that. And then you've got teams like Waynesboro, who looks to be in a rebuild. Um, you know, Fort in their last year now in the Valley, I, I don't see them having too much success, but they certainly probably will still show improvement from last season. Um, and then Rockbridge is kind of the team that's a question mark right now. You know, they uh, were one and nine in 2016 and then improved enough to get to the playoffs last year. But a lot of that was quarterback Ben Rodenizer, who is now at Shenandoah. He um, put up big numbers. You know, they were they were high powered at times. Um, without him, it's kind of, you know, they've got they've got some pieces they need to replace. And it'll be interesting to see what they can do. So they're kind of, you know, they're my X factor in the in the race. But. Right now, I would say, you know, heading into the season, Harrisonburg would probably be my favorite. I think Rockbridge is that real interesting team, and I think they were the team that surprised a lot of guys last year. Uh, looking at the Valley District, you know, they got they were successful last year, kind of out of nowhere with the with the quarterback, but they don't have him anymore. They still have some weapons though with Jaleek Lynch. So uh, I still think, you know, I saw your uh, ratings you put out. Uh, for the DNR, <laughs> and you had them a lot lower than what I had them, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I, I think Mark Post in there, he's done a lot of winning, so I think he's going to find a way to keep that team uh, at, a, at a consistent winning rate. Right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like like you said, it, it, they're just kind of a question mark, and, you know, yeah. Um, it, you know, there's so many the, – the Valley really is wide open. Like I said, Harrisburg's kind of on a little bit above, and then everybody else, I really feel like any night this year it could be – you know, we, we may see a team win the Valley with a 4-2 and two or – a record like that. I mean, I don't think there's any dominant team this year. Well, Cody, it's been great talking to you. I know we're going to have you on again. Um, you know, looking ahead at the schedule, uh, there's plenty of good times where your your input from the northern uh, north of us, the county north of us, will come in real handy. So, uh, thank you so much for coming on. You know, tell everybody how to find you on Twitter and 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 how to how to read your stuff. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at. Uh, Cody underscore DNR sports. And um, you guys can find any of my stuff on uh, DNRonline.com. Um, thank you guys for having me. Cody, thanks a lot.
Next up on the X Sports Podcast, we're going to be breaking down the high school football season that gets started this Friday. Things kicking off. Uh, Joe and I will be on radio Friday on WTON, 1240 The Boss. Tune in on AM or on TuneIn Radio and uh, listen to us there. We'll have pregame starting at 530. But before then, we're going to give you a sneak peek at all the preview that's going to be talked about up until that point. You're going to get it right here as we're going to start talking about the Shenandoah district. We're going to focus there because we've already talked so much about the Valley with Cody, but you know, you can't talk about the Shenandoah district without talking about Riverheads, a team that has been playing, assuming they're going to win the district title for the last 20 years, basically in that district, they look strong again. Yeah. Riverheads is going to be good. Look, and here's the thing about Riverheads. You know what kind of offense they're going to run? You know what their offense is going to look like? You know what their team's going to look like? The question is, how do you stop that? That's been the problem for a lot of teams. They haven't been able to stop it. And I've I've talked about this last year. Riverheads reminds me a lot of Salem in the fact that Salem runs the ball almost exclusively as well. Now, Salem will mix and pass a little more than I've seen Riverheads do it uh, in my time here. But knowing what's coming... And being able to stop it is two different things. And because Riverheads and Salem, both of these programs, execute everything, just the absolute best of anyone that is on the field, that's what separates them apart from everybody else. Part of football is being able to be unpredictable and keep your opponent from not knowing what's coming. The other part is execution. And while Riverheads and the Salems of the world won't always be unpredictable, they will always be executing the best, and that's what makes them hard to beat. I think the thing when you look at Riverheads this year, we're going to have a whole season to talk great things about them, and, and we'll talk more about them on the podcast. The thing I want to see right now, what coming in, into their last scrimmage, the bath game, and then uh, the draft game, I want to see their offensive line. Coach Casto always talks about how important the line is on both sides of the ball, particularly that offensive line in that offense has got to perform well. They lost a lot off that offensive line from last year. Alex Steele's gone. Chandler Branch is gone. Uh, you know, all graduating other, other big time players for them. They, they have some returners there, but they have, they have a couple holes to replace, particularly at center. I want to see how they do that, how that looks going into the meat of the season. Now, you know, as the season wears on, they're going to get better and better. They prove that year after year that they're going to do that. But I just want to see how quickly that comes together to kind of signify what that's going to mean for postseason. I, I agree with you, Leland. Um, I, I still think Riverheads is one of the better teams in that region. I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be really hard for me to see anybody taking them out. If it's anybody other than Riverheads and William Campbell in the region championship, I will be shocked. And that's that's Leland's first prediction on this podcast. And I'm going to write it down. If it's anybody else than Riverheads and William Campbell in that region championship, I'll be shocked. I agree. And just to make it official, I guess, so we can knock Riverheads out of the way here, uh, I'll predict them to win the region. So I think they're going to a state playoff game. I agree. Next team to so, look at, uh, Leland, will be Ari Lee. Uh, they are the one of the co-district champions from last year. They lost a lot. Jaden Williams is gone. He's not coming back. That's going to be big shoes to fill for Will Dodd. That being said, I think Ari Liesel has a lot of talent, a lot of athletes on the field. They're going to be hard to slow down. Riverheads is more of a line them up, run it down your throat, and ground and pound style. Ari Lee likes to spread it out, and they have a ton of speed. That's what makes them so dangerous. I don't know if we're going to see Ari Lee going back to a state championship game this year, but I still think Ari Lee is going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be a team that coaches are not going to look forward to preparing for. 
I mean, every year you're trying to build respect for your program, try to prove something. And Lehigh did everything they could last year, taking Appomattox. They were leading with two minutes to go in that ball game, And then here we are already doubting them this next season. But it's because they lost a lot of high-class talent. They lost the offensive state player of the year. And, and William Dodd he can't worry about replacing Jaden Williams. He's got to be the best William Dodd he can be. And I think William Dodd is a very capable quarterback and can do good things, but he's not a very good Jaden Williams. So we're just going to have to see what William do- does, how soon he's doing it at a high level. And we saw Lee High get better throughout the season last year. They did not peak in week four. They lost to Luray, but they came back beat Riverheads. I think it gained them a lot of confidence from there. They went on, got revenge on LeRae, and really sailed from there. And and up until the last minutes of that state championship game, really had a a great story going. And even with the loss, a great story, a great season, a great coaching job by Coach Jarelmo. But, you know, I expect them to win some ball games this year. But I think their magic number might, it might be around six. I think I was wanting it to be seven. I was thinking maybe they're, you know, eight or six wins, somewhere in that range. But I... Just a couple things leading into this season. Who's there? Who's not really looking at the roster? I'm, I'm going to drop them down to six, and I think seven might be the the high side for the regular season because I just think they have too many holes to fill, and I think one of these teams that probably shouldn't beat them might knock them off. Okay. Well, I'm going to say the teams that I'm thinking you're thinking, and you tell me the one I'm missing because um, I think seven. Uh, I, Riverheads? Riverheads? Riverheads might might beat them. East Rock, East might might, might beat them. <laughs> and Buffalo Gap, Buffalo Gap. I think then you're going to be looking at a Loray or a Rockbridge team that we don't know much about, or even a Wilson team that we're going to get to in here that might might battle them a little more than we think they will. I think one of those teams is a potential knockoff there, and and maybe I'm wrong. And I, I think seven is possible. I'm not arguing that seven's not possible. I just don't think eight's possible. So I agree that's, there. That's that's where I'm at. I agree there. Uh, I and think that's my magic number. I'm I'm sure. back one off from what I think could happen, mm-hmm. but I'm okay. trying to be reasonable. No, I I agree with you, Leland. I think se- I would put them at seven and three is my prediction. I do think Riverhead's gonna be a little tough to beat this year for R. A. Lee. East Rock, I think, is going to maybe win the Shenandoah District if it's not Riverheads. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm still picking Riverheads to win the district. Uh, and uh, I would say Buffalo Gap has a shot, uh, maybe leaning toward Buffalo Gap right now, but I would not be shocked if Arley won that game. So I guess I would say seven. I could see eight, but I, I don't think Wilson's going to beat them. I, I think there's only one playoff spot between Arley and Wilson, and I have Arley in the playoffs. I don't have Wilson there. Fair enough. And I think you're talking about about Buffalo Gap. And the reason I think Buffalo Gap can beat them is because of what I saw Buffalo Gap do against them last year. They took them to the limit. I know it was early in the season, but Buffalo Gap has them early again. So I'm excited about that game. And talking about Buffalo Gap, Carter Rivenberg's back. That's why I like Buffalo Gap so much. We've seen Buffalo Gap in the past come back with that highlight player. The guy you know is going to get the ball, and they're daring you to stop him. Carter Rivenberg is it, and I think he can handle that pressure. I think the whole team is going to build behind that pressure, and I think he's going to be good. They also have other tough guys, Ryan Wilcher, Jake Callison, guys that can really lead that team and be a typical Buffalo Gap team that they're not going to probably outrun you. They're they're not going to, you know— burn the playbook and come up with some crazy stuff to beat you. They're just going to out tough you and get down the field and get in the end zone. And in the end, they're going to be in more games and they're going to, they're going to win some of those games. I think their magic number, I actually, I actually have them at a seven. I'm very 
positive about Buffalo Gap this year, and it's because I think they might be a touch-up above Lee. I, th- I have them, I imagine, number seven. They might get eight wins. I don't see them doing worse than six. I think they're right in that range, and I think it, it really is going to be a great coaching for Coach Klein. We've seen it happen before, but I think he's going to use – Rivenberg well and I also think he's gonna fake it to Rivenberg well and we're gonna see other guys get the ball and there's gonna be other stars at Buffalo Gap this year that's gonna lead them uh into the playoffs with some wins in the playoffs I agree with you Leland I I saw a lot to like about Buffalo Gap last year I think they're gonna build on that this year I think they return enough people to make that team dangerous I think that's a very interesting thing about Buffalo Gap this year is we have high expectations that's going to be the question, right? Can Buffalo Gap handle those high expectations? Can they deliver? Look, I I wasn't at the Riverheads Buffalo Gap game, but they were up 14 on Riverheads last year before that game got away from them. But I think the key for Buffalo Gap is when they get the lead, you have to play better defense than you did last year. That was their big bugaboo. So I think for Buffalo Gap, it comes down to the defense. If the defense improves, Buffalo Gap wins seven, eight games. If it doesn't, they're probably looking at six. And and I agree with that point. And just the same that they're always in games because they're tough. Last year, I think they let other teams stay in games, um, and, and it was a mistake. So I agree with you there. But talking about good defense, let's talk about Stuart Straft, a team that you know has had some good defense in the past two years ago, one of the best defenses I've ever seen. But they're missing a lot of guys off that defense that we saw last year. And the same names that we're used to seeing at Stuart Straft from this, you know, from good seasons aren't there. And and last year they just missed out on the playoffs. They missed out by 0.3 of a PowerPoint. And this year, I think it's hard to look that they're going to be that much better. And it's really easy to see that they might be a couple steps behind where they were last year. Leland, I agree. And look, Stewart Straff people, I promise I don't have anything at Stewart Straff High School, the town, anything. Well, did, you get a, did you get a speeding ticket on 340 one time or I, what? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I, I have nothing against Stewart Straff. It's a, I love the name Cougars. I, the uniforms look awesome. I, the school's great. But Joe loves Cougars. Is that what I'm saying? I, I'm just, what I'm saying is I just last year was my first year following Augusta County football. So I didn't get to witness the state championship or state playoff run that uh, you guys had, you know, the years before. So I'm coming into this hearing how, you know, Stuart Straff's going to build on that. They're going to be great that, you know, look out, they could win a state championship this year. And for me, it was too many disappointing endings. It was too many. We were in the game, but man, that bad break. And to me, and this is, I'm not, I don't want to run anybody down. I'm definitely not saying that. But at a certain point when there's bad luck for sure in sports, especially uh, that Riverheads game where the ball bounces to stay inbounds instead of going out of bounds. And then that cost Stewart's draft the ball and maybe a game winning score against Riverheads to start the year. That's heartbreaking. I'm not going to lie. And I felt for Stewart's draft that night. The East Rock game, they were in it all the way to the end. And then that pass all the way across the length of the field for a completion for East rock and they go in the end zone to score and win the game. That's heartbreaking stuff. The Buffalo gap game was close and it was a heartbreaking defeat for Stuart Straff. but you, you get what I'm saying, right? You, are you hearing this? It's heartbreaking defeat, heartbreaking defeat, heartbreaking yeah. defeat at a certain point. Like, and I think this is natural. I think it comes into the kids' minds. Is it bad luck or is it? We're just that little bit behind these other teams. And I, to me, that's what it is. 
I don't think Stewart's draft is going to be in a game where they get run out of the building because like Leland said, their defense has been so good. I still expect, yeah, I know they lost a lot, but I still expect coach Floyd to have that defense raring to go and swarming the ball. That's the benefit. A lot of these Augusta County teams run the ball almost exclusively. So it's not like you have to be a defense. that's a, you know, aware for everything at all times, Ari Lee and East rock, probably the only two teams that can consistently pass the ball. And we'll see about Ari Lee this year. Again, you know, Dodd's, new and it's not Jaden Williams. So we'll have to see his accuracy if that's consistent. But what I would say is for Stewart's draft, I didn't see it last year. They lost a lot from last year's team and I just need to see it before I believe it. I, I agree with you. And I, I think, I, th- I think the excitement around Stewart's draft football might be a little less right now. And I think it's because everybody's looking at the roster and there's a lot of holes on offense, particularly missing, but a game I had circled before the year started looking at these two rivals, was Stuart Straff versus Wilson. And I think Wilson is a team on the up. I think they've been three and seven, four and seven, three and seven the last three or four years. And here they are, I think, with a chance to take a step ahead and vie for a playoff spot. I'm not going to put them definitely in at this moment, but I think they're going to vie for a playoff spot. I think they're going to, I think they can get to five wins. That doesn't mean they have to beat Riverheads and uh, East Rock to do that. I think they can beat the teams that are manageable. And I think they're, they've taken their hard knocks and now it's time to have it pay off. They have a younger quarterback, a sophomore going to be playing this year. They moved Ty Heavener out of that spot. And I believe he's playing running back, but I still think, I, I, I don't still think, I think they are going to be successful this year. I, I, the seniors they had were great. I don't think it's any slight to them. I just think they've built these young guys for two or three years here. We've been, they've been a young team for three years. Now it's the time to get some payoff from it. And I think they're going to, you know, vie for a playoff spot. That's what I see for Wilson Memorial this year. Okay. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't see that much growth. We'll see. Um, man, you're really high on them. You were high on them last year going in, I believe. Um, no, get, you're thinking a gap, but that's fine. Okay. All right. I don't want to misquote you, uh, but <laughs> I, Wilson is another one. I got to see it to believe it. I, I don't know if I see enough returning to where I, I, I get that you have high numbers returning, but I think returned players only matter so much in comparison to the other programs around. Right. So I think Riverhead's new people probably better than Wilson's returners. Uh, and that's not saying anything bad about Wilson. Riverheads is really good. I, I think Ari Lee is. Too, yeah, yeah, I think Ari Lee is going to be better. I look uh, Stewart's draft. I think you're better than Wilson. I think Stewart's draft might beat Wilson. And look for Stewart's draft to to go back on them for just one second. If Stewart's draft wants to prove me wrong, go to the playoffs this year. All you have to do is win every game you won last year plus one. That was the difference, right? It's Gap. Yeah. It's Loray. One of those yeah, you got to win. Larray, yeah, there, there's those games that were very close that they could be or, even the East Rock game. And, and we don't expect them to win that game this yeah. year, but you pick that game off. Or Lee, yeah. Yeah, so but, I, I think... But to, to talk Wilson, Wilson... I kind of, in my mind, have put Wilson in Stewart's draft spot. I think draft, I would be surprised if they make the playoffs, if I'm all honest. But I think Wilson is that team that kind of fills that spot and is on that line and might get that one more win that can put him there. My magic number for Wilson... I've really come to it at five. I think worst they'll be is four. And I think optimally six. I don't, I don't see them going higher than six. So I just think that number is five right there. I can really convince myself of five wins. And then what if they 
pick off a gap, pick off a lead. So uh, I think Wilson is in for an up, and I think it's trending upward. They have a, a bunch of sophomores in the program. Uh, they have a similar number to what Riverheads has in, in sophomores. So I, I like that sign looking at their roster. They have good players coming up too. So I, I just think things are trending in the right direction for, for Wilson Memorial. We'll see. Uh, you know, they, they play the games for a reason, and we'll we'll be doing our weekly picks on the radio at WTON. But, man, um, your magic number of five, uh, just thinking to myself, the two games they're going to win, Seward's draft is obviously one you're thinking that they get. And Waynesboro. Okay, and you're thinking they top Waynesboro this year. That Well, they're- yeah, maybe. Maybe. And if they like beat the draft. The if they beat draft. See, I, I still think draft beats Wilson, but if they beat draft, then yeah, maybe they win five. And then it comes down to PowerPoints, right? It's between them and Strasburg, yeah. those kind of teams. Yeah, it will be. They close the season with Paige. So I can just very much see a week 11, you know, 10 games into the season, biting their teeth because they're playing Page County in the in the district. Uh, well, which will there. give them almost zero <laughs> points. I mean, Page County is so, not going to be a big point giver. So we focused on our Augusta County teams. I do want to just you know, remind everybody about the other teams to worry about the two teams you really need to worry about out of the Shenandoah district, East Rockingham Eagles. We talked about them a good deal with Cody. You've already heard that, but all, all district players returning on offense, everybody's name that you would say on offense is returning on offense. Uh, so that is a team you got to watch out for. And then the Lorray Bulldogs, the team Joe rode hard early in the season last year and was absolutely right. I'll give credit where it is due, but Lorray Bulldogs, they return a lot of players. They lost their star Dylan Jenkins, uh, they're, you know, without Tristan Yole, they lost some big pieces, but I still think they have a good amount of talent there. And their team was really built on defense last year. I don't think we saw it as much in the games that we covered, but other games, defense really won it for them. The Lee game where they beat Lee in the regular season, it was very much a defensive effort that won it. So those are the two teams, Augusta County, Shenandoah teams have to watch out for. Those two teams are very capable of being at the top of the district. You know, so Buffalo Gap, Wilson, Riverheads draft, all need to worry about those teams. The other teams we'll just mention, Page County and Stonewall, we expect a couple wins between them. So, yep. Not much more to talk about that. But when we do come back after this quick little pause, we will bring you more about uh, in our in our last block, where we're going to try to update you guys on what you guys need to be watching, what you guys need to be hearing uh, as you're going throughout your week and getting ready for high school football on Friday night and uh, and, and prepping for any of the sports that you're going to watch over the weekend. All right, Joe, let's wrap up this Yak Sports podcast. And first, we're going to talk about how we interacted this week with some of you out there. We posted the uh, video of Big Al who hits Daners, my boy. I, I think I've watched it every day since that came out. I just love that kid. The, the confidence that kid has. And even the Jimmy Kimmel interview after it was so great. He's such a good little kid. I, I'm happy that he's been getting the attention he's gotten. Yeah, it is a fun uh, little video. And, you know, so many of those intros blend together and they don't stand out. But that that kid's was amazing, man. Internet I, I legend. Love, oh, uh, forever. And I love the creativeness that comes out of it with those kids talking uh, the ones that do stand out, like the one kid who's like a special talent with sleeping and stuff like that. You get some good <laughs> moments out of that. It just, you have to watch about 50 kids to get to something <laughs> creative and good. But I mean, Big Al forever will hold a place in my heart because he hits dingers. You know, that's the he does reason. hit dingers. We enjoyed, uh, you know, Patrick Height was out there. He commented uh, how he sits the bench. I think that might be an accurate one for a lot of us. I, I love yours that, uh, that uh, <laughs> Uh, they call me flawless and I was in the marching band. I mean, that's, 
that's that's that's, our that's, that's a fact that is fact <laughs> <laughs> one day the yak sports podcast listeners will better understand our uh the marching band uh loyalty that we both have but uh, a great little thing this week we'll get another hashtag out there this week once we when something comes up that makes sense, we'll get it back out there. Make sure you interact with us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Facebook, excuse me, Yak Sports Pod on uh, on both, and feel free to email us, contact us any way you can. We want to interact with you. We want to mention you next week in this spot. The next thing we're going to go to, Joe, you got to tell me right now what's dominating your life. Leland, what's dominating my life right now is Hell's Kitchen. Man, I've started to dive back into that. And there are days, sometimes you're in a week and it's just, you know, it's stressful. You got some stuff going on. You and I are extremely busy this week, especially. And so what's what's great at night is to just sit down and watch Gordon Ramsay yell at people. Um, it, you know, every my brother and I love this. And this is our favorite thing I think about Hell's Kitchen is every time they start, you know, each chef is like, oh, my gosh, how do you mess up the risotto? It's so easy. Yet when that person gets on the app station, somehow the risotto comes out all wrong. The risotto is the great equalizer in the kitchen. And, uh, man, Hell's Kitchen's great. Yeah, I think uh, my version of Hell's Kitchen is like unloading the dishwasher. So I, I think I, I think I live it sometimes. But uh, my daughter is really – my oldest daughter is really into any competition reality show. Sometimes we have to pretend judge her in the living room like judge her toys or judge what she built out of blocks. So it's, it's fun. So we watched hell's kitchen one night. We haven't returned to it just cause it was a little aggressive. Uh, I yeah. appreciate that. Maybe, yeah, maybe not totally family friendly. <laughs> so what's dominating my life, Joe? Uh, I, I'm a sucker for the hard knocks show on HBO. I I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan all the way. And I can't miss a minute of the Cleveland Browns hard knocks. Cause it's so well done. They, I, it, it can be a little league team, and I think they would make an incredible, riveting story about what's going on because surely one of those kids would have some baby mama issues. So, like, I mean, it's it's so good. It's so well done. They tell a great story through every episode, and maybe it's on my sports media nerddom coming out, but I just love how those shows are put together. I've watched so many seasons of it. Whenever I've had the opportunity to have HBO part of my life, but I remember multiple seasons of the Bengals. I think I've watched the Brown season before. I've watched the Ravens. I've watched the Cowboys. I've, I've watched so many of them. And I've just named a bunch of teams I really don't like. But hard knocks dominate my life. Okay. I See, I think that's interesting. I haven't – I think I've only watched one season really closely, and that was the bang, one of the Bengals seasons of hard knocks. You didn't watch the Ravens? I didn't watch the Ravens season of hard knocks just because I had other stuff going on. Um, I think I might have been in college when that season came out. So, you know – you had nothing going on in college. Bigger priorities. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the only reason I would watch this season is to see Tyrod. And um, and it's been good. You should come. I don't know. I in. just huh. <laughs> Now I know why this team's only going to win two games. Like, I don't know. Hey, that's a two-game improvement. Yeah, it would. 200%. <laughs> All right. Leland, I want to toss it over to you now. The next thing we're going to talk about, what do you know that everyone else needs to know? Everybody else needs to know how awful these Notre Dame football uniforms are that they're going to play in when they're in Yankee Stadium. They've incorporated the pinstripes of the Yankees uniform to a traditional blue top, mostly, except for the sleeves where they throw some pinstripes back at it. They are terrible. Some things that happen in other sports should stay in other sports. You're already playing on the baseball field. Let's just leave the uniforms there. You know, let's leave it with the Yankees. We talked about tradition with Cody Elliott. 
And I said, I don't know if I always agree with that argument. Uh, I totally agree with tradition in this instance. You're Notre Dame. You have a brand. Your brand is we the Golden Domers, and we put on the navy blue uniform. The green uniform for the game against Boston College, uh, I'm on the fence about it. I don't know how I feel about that. But let me be perfectly clear here. These pinstripe uniforms should all be gathered up and set on fire and never to be worn again. These are the, well, they're not. Unfortunately, Oregon is going to wear football uniforms this year. But these will be in the top 10 ugliest uniforms of 2018. Put it in the books right now. Yeah, terrible. Just terrible. Joe, what do you know that the rest of us need to know? Well, the good news is most people probably already do know this if they've been watching uh, sports or I'm sure ESPN's Facebook's only shared it 500 times. But <laughs> Sister Mary Jo Sobiek, and if that name doesn't mean anything to you, it's the nun that threw out the first pitch at the Royals-White Sox game. I believe it was this last weekend. Uh, she does this awesome little flip off her forearm back to her hand with the baseball and then throws a pitch over the plate which you don't get from everyone. So I was amazed. It was I was junk. It was good. It was, it was wicked. It, movement on it. it was good. It yeah. was wicked. Chris Davis would have struck out. Swing and a miss for sure for any Oriole. Yeah, Chris Davis would have struck out <laughs> 10 out of 10 times. Sister Mary Jo Sobiek, uh, wow. Giving Sister Jean a run for her money and nuns involved with sports. I, I love nuns involved in sports. I'm glad that 2018 is becoming the year of nuns in sports. You know, we had Sister Jean back at March Madness. You know, maybe this is just a higher power putting in that we we need some church, man. We need we need church involved in some of these sports. We're having too much crazy stuff going on, but gotta love it. Uh, it it was it was ba for sure. Yeah, it was awesome. And it, is, does that mean I'm going to hell for saying that what she did was ba? Or, maybe or what, what, uh, that, that's what, not for me to decide, Leland. <laughs> Well, if that's sending me there, I was surely already on my way. So <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening this week. Please subscribe, follow us, do all that stuff. Get a hold of us or just make sure you don't miss us next week. We're going to be back with another episode. We're going to be talking more about some high school volleyball next week because that's important to us. We want to talk about anything that's important to you, the Augusta County sports fan. We're also going to be you know, talking about what some of these t- teams did in the first week of high school football as uh, everybody will be going into week two and Riverheads and Wilson will be getting started in their first game. And then we'll also be on the brink of college football season as they will, uh, we will have a little breakdown here of some of our local teams and what we're, what's going to happen going into the season. So make sure you tune in next week. We'll be right back. However you found us this week, find us again. Yeah, and look, Leland and I debated a little bit on this one. Uh, we will definitely be debating next week when it comes to the Virginia Tech preview. <laughs> For sure. They named a starter this week. I, and, you uh, know what? We'll give it, wait, here's a preview. Here's a preview. Joe, what do you think about Virginia Tech naming Josh Jackson the starter? Um, I didn't think I would say this. If you would have asked me this two weeks ago, that would have been <laughs> the worst thing that they could have done. What scares me even more is who they named as the number two. <laughs> if Ryan Willis is truly the second best quarterback, blow it up. <laughs> so that was a preview of what you'll hear next week as we talk about Virginia Tech, JMU, what maybe UVA can do with their season coming up next uh, this coming season right here. So, you know, however you found us this week, have us again uh, the same way. Uh, subscribe on podcasts, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you, and uh, make sure you tune in to the Yak Sports Podcast next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.